everybody. Grab your Bible, a pencil, a journal, and maybe even a cup of coffee, and join in on our conversation. But first, I would like for you to write this down. 1 Samuel 15, verses 10 through 11. Then the word of the Lord came to Samuel, saying, I regret that I have made Saul king, for he has turned back from following me and has not carried out my commandments. And Samuel was distressed and cried out to the Lord all night. Hey everyone, welcome to Write This Down with Dot Bowen. My name is Kara, I am Dot's daughter, and every week we sit down together and we talk through truths and scripture, and we are excited to be back with you guys this week. We are talking about Saul and David, and specifically talking about their hearts toward the Lord and how that changed over time for Saul, and and how the condition of our hearts really do affect how we compare or deal with jealousy or anger. So we are really glad that you're here, and we would love for you to pull up a chair and join in our conversation. Kara. Hey, Mom. How's it going? It's great. Great. Going good. I'm excited. This is kind of a little bit different for us because usually the guys in the Bible that we talk about, oh, I love you kind of have a crush on. Yeah. No, I don't. I do not have a crush on them. I just love them. Okay. That makes a lot of sense. Okay. That <laughs> I, cleared that up. I like, I just like, like, I don't have a crush on Moses. I like Moses, but mm-hmm. I just, I love his story. Well, I hope you don't love Saul's story. I do not love Saul's story. I do not like Saul. <laughs> yeah. He's yeah. one of the, I like his successor. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I may David, have a little crush David. on David. Yeah. I do hope that my house in heaven is near his. <laughs> well, we will. That's just another how recording. That, uh, no, that's another episode we're not going to talk about. Jokes, Mom. Maybe even Jokes. a little bit of heresy. Okay, good. Okay. Okay. Mom. But what I want to talk about today is Saul, because I have been, you know, um, doing my reading, which we won't even discuss where you are. But anyway, in our my, <laughs> I was um, trying to read this morning, and I can't even say catch up. I almost did, but at this point, I just need to read because read. even mm-hmm. my um, app on my phone, it was like in red, like continue. It's like basically asking, like, are you still reading? <laughs> yeah. Are you still alive? Are you but still? I am. I, mm-hmm. I have I have hope. I have all year. So I'm, I'm back yeah. in it. I'm back in the you game. Do. I'm just going to believe. Had I'm going to have the faith that Which, on December 31st, we are uh, going to be reading the last oh, chapter yes. together. I would never, I would never miss it. But in my defense, we've had a lot going on, which, you oh, know, yeah. last week we didn't have a conversation because we were in the middle of some exciting new things in the works that will come out in the fall. But anyway, no excuse. I need to be in the Word all the time, but Mm -hmm. here we are. Well, as I was saying, this will give you a little excitement to get ready for it, Uh, but you've read 1 Samuel several times, so it's not like you. this is all new information to you. Of course, you didn't know what we were going to talk about either. But I wanted to talk about Saul because there's just some things that's been going on like in my world and being able to mentor and talk to people and just some things that is going on. And I keep going back to what I read. I'm past First Samuel, just a little hint there. But I went back and started looking at the life of Saul because a lot of times when people are telling me things and stuff, I'm like thinking, well, you know, where could I find this in the scripture? Because it's obviously their life and circumstances can be different, 
But I've noticed that there's a lot of dissension and a lot of jealousy and a lot of comparison that's going on among the body of Christ, Christians. Mm. And that sounds and there like are a lot. Yeah, there's a lot of scripture that talks about comparison. Jesus clearly addresses it. So I started thinking about Saul, and I started thinking about, you know, when he was uh, crowned king, for one thing, he was the first king. Uh, the people had been used to having the judges and the prophets uh, to uh, direct them, and, and God directed the prophets and the judges and talked to his people and directed. Moses was one of them, you know, your favorite little guy, and Moses was one of them, and and Moses talked directly to the people. God would talk to Moses and, and stuff. So God would speak through the prophets. And I think you've even talked about that often mm-hmm. about how, you know, God would speak to the people. And and it comes a time when they began to see all the people around them, all the cultures and the different nations and different types of people, they began to see that they had kings. And so the Israelites decide they wanted a king. Yeah. And so Samuel at the time is one of the judges and the prophets. And he um, realizes and hears that these people are grumbling and they want they want a king. They want to be mm-hmm. just like everybody yeah. else. It's like everyone else has a king. Why don't we have a king? I want a king. Yeah. And so if everybody else can have a king, I can have a king. They did have a king. It just was God. That's right. And that's so, what God tells Samuel. Yeah. He says, you know, they're not mad at you. Because I think Samuel's kind of taking it a little personal. Like, I'm, you know, I'm used by God to direct you. And we are a one nation under God. We are literally, it was um, becoming now, you know, the two kingdoms that, and uh, one kingdom at, at this particular time. It's just one kingdom. And so really and truly, Samuel just kind of takes it personally. And he's very upset. And God said, don't, look, don't take it personally. This isn't about you. This is about me. They're yeah, they rejecting were... me as their king. Yeah. yeah. And I find it really funny, because I want to tell you this, um, that Saul literally is going after his father's donkeys. They are lost. And What, what do you mean? Yeah. <laughs> Saul is, his dad, his father said, I'm, yeah, my donkeys are gone. Where yeah. are my donkeys? I can make a lot of jokes right now, but I will. I do won't. not. That's right. Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. And you may be getting my mind off this a little bit. Just I may need to why stop this, and pray. But, why but is it anyway, my fault? I, I know. But I just started thinking about that Saul became king going after looking at donkeys, where at the end of Saul's life, he begins to act like one. And so it was like one of these things where it's funny because Samuel goes after Saul and they began to talk to Saul, and now it's gone. You know, they're Saul's talking to the people that were with him, and the group that was with him, and the guys. And he said, "You know, we cannot find my father's donkeys. It's been a long time. I don't know what to do." In chapter nine, you'll see where he's searching, and the donkeys was lost. And one of his guys that was with him said, "I know. I've heard about this prophet, the seer. He called him a seer, and you know he." He's a godly man, and I think we should go and ask him. And so they went and asked Samuel. But in the meantime, God's already working because God's already told Samuel that there's going to be someone coming that he would, you know. Make king. Make king. So Saul had no idea that he was going to be king. No. It's not like no. it's not like a David situation where, you know, he's out doing whatever and David 
is going to be king, and then it's years later. Saul's just literally looking for his donkeys. Right. And for some reason, that's really, I mean, I, I guess maybe that's money. I don't know why that's so important for him to need to find them, but um, regardless, God used it. Well, I mean, it was, it's a lot of financial Oh, so yeah, I, I mean, these are, yeah, livestock and stuff that he, his dad had lost, you know, they wandered out. Again, I just find it so fascinating that here's, like you said, Saul's out thinking he's, you know, looking for donkeys, and he comes back a king. <laughs> oh, yeah. That is, I mean, that's just crazy. It says it, it says in uh, chapter 9 of 1 Samuel, it says, the servant of of Saul says uh, to him, Behold, now there is a man of God in this city. And the man is held in honor. All that he says surely comes true. Now let us go there. Perhaps he can tell us about our journey and on which we have set out. And so Saul's servant and, and Saul, they began to go and they meet uh, Samuel. And I think that this is what's so interesting is because in the meantime, Samuel's dealing with the issue that the people are asking for a king when it was Samuel that was judging them. And so he's dealing with his own stuff. Right. So ultimately, yeah, it's like you have these two different storylines going on. And mm, that's right. Where God is, and ultimately, God is orchestrating this. I mean, because this is a very, if you think about it, this is a very climactic part of the Israelite story. It really because is. Yeah. If it wasn't for the kings being put in place, Israel never would have split. They never yeah. would have gone, gone into captivity. I mean, maybe. I mean, who knows what the history would have mm-hmm. actually looked like. But you know what I mean? Like that, it, there's all of the history that we know, apart from, you know, Moses and the Ten Commandments and all that, but in the Red Sea. But this is like, this is Israel's history. I mean, this mm-hmm. is what leads up to everything that the we know. Of Israel. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the the captivities and the splitting of Jerusalem and Israel and I mean, even like the temples and what that all represents with Jesus. I mean, this is like this is a big, a big deal. Point. Yeah, yeah. And, it's very yeah, and they don't know what they're asking for because I find it interesting. And in, too, you know, when they start to say we want a king, God says to Samuel, "You go tell the people you don't want a king because the king is going to take care take your sons." They're going to use your daughters. They're going to tax you, which is all what they mean by take your sons is like armies to go to war, right? Yeah, yeah, Yeah. which is what our army is today. Is that we take you know our sons, they go to war and they fight. And uh, but when Saul, you know, came, Samuel saw Saul. That's hard um, to say. (laughs) Yeah, Samuel saw Saul. A lot of S's there. And the Lord said to him, "Behold, the man of whom I spoke to you." The one shall rule over my people. And then Saul approached Samuel in the gate and said, Please tell me where the seer's house is. And so he says, I'm, you know, I'm the prophet. And then that's when Samuel knew that it was Saul that would be Israel's first king. So I just want to go back. Okay. Saul was looking for donkeys. Didn't, right. didn't we say that enough? Okay. <laughs> and he was just, you know, his dad's donkeys are gone. He's being a good son. He's going out doing what he wants to do. There was nothing that Saul did to make him king. God chose mm-hmm. him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good point. And in all reality, that is every king that is in place. And that's all of our stories where it's like what God has called and appointed you to do, it has nothing to do with you. 
in terms of what you do. Like you can't. It's not your claim of fame. And, but, but we see in, in Saul's life, he begins to think it's about him. Mm-hmm. He begins to think he forgets. that he forgets that he was out looking for donkeys right. and came and back he, a king. Yeah. And what, you know, what's, the, what's the difference in just going out and looking for donkeys and now you come back a king other than that's what God's done? And yeah. over time, we see that Saul begins to take this kingship as this is about him. Mm-hmm. And, and I do think that he forgets that God has appointed him king. And so we know that Saul begins to have some, you know, issues, some pride issues, and he disobeys God. Yeah, well, and he starts to hold on to it. Absolutely. And, you know, like white knuckle it. And mm-hmm. it's interesting because, I mean, there's a lot of reasons behind this whole story, but I do think one of the reasons why God took the kingship from Saul is because Saul was trying to hold on to it. You know what I mean? It was kind of like, there was a lot of other reasons. I'm not saying that's a soul, but yeah. I, that isn't part of it because if Saul had let go, I think it goes back to he would have remembered who appointed him there. He probably wouldn't have been so so controlled by fear and well, control. Well, when you're saying hold on, what you're saying is it became all about Saul. It was more about yeah, this like, is me. Well, and he would try to stay in. He was so threatened by David you know, later Which on. Which is something we're going to talk about in a minute. Yeah. But yeah, he was going to, he was threatened by David and, and, but which there's a lot of things that leads up to him being threatened by David. It's, it's like a, our, ourselves, we, we get to a place sometimes we think, well, this, you know, like, you know, what's God doing or like, wh- why is my life like this? And we've forgotten what's been the steps to get us where we are. And there was a lot of disobedience in Saul's life. So it wasn't that Saul was just holding on and like, I want to be king now. I want to be king. I don't want anybody to take my position because Saul began to disobey God before he knew David had been appointed king. And so, you know, that's one of those things is that sometimes our lives take a turn and things start happening that we feel like is God's punishment when it may be the consequences of what we're doing. I think that we blame God sometimes that when things go wrong, that, you know, God, why didn't you step in? Why didn't you change the situation? Versus these are the consequences of some of the choices I made. And mm-hmm. I think you read in First Samuel 15 where, you know, Saul disobeys God. God told him to go in, fight the Philistines. You will win, but kill everything. Don't bring anything with you. And... Saul and the people spared the best of the sheep, the oxen, and, and all this stuff. Because they're like, well, why should we kill something so great, even though they've killed all these people, uh, to go in? And God specifically said, don't bring anything in. And they did. And then God you know, tells Samuel, which is what I read, and the word of the Lord came to Samuel saying, I regret that I made Saul. And so it's really ironic, Carol, one of us talk about this a little bit. Well, that he made Saul king, not that he made Saul as a human. Right, that he made yeah. Saul uh, as king. And I think it's interesting here is that Saul obeyed God halfway. Yeah. And I have a, um, a funny memory. I mean, I hated Vacation Bible School, if anyone who's listening knows what Vacation mm-hmm. Bible School is. And I only went one summer when I was a kid. You know, it's like yeah. this week that camp, Bible camp, basically, when you're like a little kid. And I remember 
the only thing that I remember from that, and it stuck with me all these years, so I don't know why I hated it, but they had these little felt boards, and Mm -hmm. I remember we had one of Saul, one of David, and one of Absalom, who was David's son. Mm-hmm. And we, I remember they had little hearts and Saul's little heart was half because he had a half <laughs> heart for God. David yeah. had a whole heart because he had a whole mm-hmm. heart for God. And Absalom's heart was empty because he had no heart for God. <laughs> so I know it stuck with me all these years that I, and I, I mean, I don't know if I would have forgotten that truth, but yeah. Anyway, when you said he had a half heart for God, I, my memory went, went back to that to little memory. felt board. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh yeah, I see him. And I guess in reality, half heart is very similar to half obedience because God looks at the heart, which we'll find out about David, and not what's going on. And, and, and Saul disobeyed God in God's mind, but in Saul's mind, he thought he had done well because he'd went in and he fought the Philistines, he'd, you know, but he didn't do it totally exactly the way God says. And I think we live in a time now that, like, even obedience is, uh, you know, a bad word almost. It's like, you know, I can, I'm mm-hmm. under grace. I can live and do anything I want to. Yeah. And I think this shows really the heart of God in that, you know, you call this obedience, but you're, it's not obedience because right. you've done it your way. You've done what you wanted and call and and say that you worship, you know, you're worshiping yeah. me, but that's not working. Which is really ironic that we feel that way, especially if you're a parent, because it's like, how do you feel when your kid obeys you? Especially Mm -hmm. if it's obeying you about something that you know is for their best, you know, Mm -hmm. like not touching the stove, (laughs) you know, like just, it's like if they keep, anyway, so it's just kind of like that to me always shows just how our sin nature always wants to go against God because it's like, oh, obey, you know, like sometimes we have this like rebellion against obeying the Lord, but it's like, okay, well, but think of your kids, you know, there's Mm -hmm. a heart of pride. Obeying someone doesn't mean this like totalitarian, like do what I say out of not with no care or no, you know, like everything that the Lord asks us, asks of us is for our benefit. It doesn't affect him. He's fine. No, it does. Yeah. He's still God and he's still perfect. But, But here's the, the deal is that I think we still today think we can determine what's obedience and what's not. I think today that we still think, well, if, you know, look, but look what I did do. Like, I went to church. I, you know, I might have lied or I might have cheated or I might have, you know, ran a red light and get into church, but I went to church as if God was like, well, that's good. Well, I'll give you half a point, <laughs> right? you know, for that. And I think well, that that's one of the big messages about this is Saul lost the kingdom because of his disobedience. It was not because he was just like, he did something totally, uh, he does eventually because he, you know, sin never sits still, but he starts out doing and and trusting God. And then over time, pride gets in the way. And we see that he's very prideful because when David comes on the scene, then that comes out of his heart. And Mm -hmm. I think that... He reacted out of what's already there. Right. And I think that it's really interesting is because you will see as you read in 1 Samuel, you'll see that David, you know, is really trying to be Saul's friend. He Now, David, even when David's... This, that's probably why you like him so much. But even when David, <laughs> even when David knew that he'd been replaced 
that Saul had been replaced by him, even when David knew he was going to be king, he never stepped into that role until God put him, you know, said, no, it's time. It was after Saul was dead. And, you know, you know the whole story. A lot lot of the things happened that, you know, came such a division between David and Saul. But this was when Saul was king. David was not in the picture. And so Mm -hmm. the process started going. So when David steps in, up on the scene and, and Saul gets really jealous of David, it isn't because David's done something. He's probably done some things that he did it innocently, because I'm going to read well, the verses yeah. on that. But he, Saul is so now so jealous of David that his jealousy began to override. Yeah. Well, it's like when know. David kills more people than Saul. It was like David was doing what he was supposed to be doing. You know, he wouldn't do anything wrong, but Saul did not like David killing more people than him. You know, like, yeah. I feel like that's like that's what you're saying. It's like they're, David wasn't doing a Joseph thing where he was like, oh, hey, I had this dream to all my brothers that you're going to bow down to me. You know what I mean? Like that, like David wasn't, you know, taunting him. I'm not saying Joseph was taunting, but you know, like he, like you said, he was just minding his own business. He was just living his life, doing what God had called him to do. And not that David was perfect or innocent, but yeah, but I actu- think... Actually, Kara, the verses that you're talking about comes after David kills Goliath. And right. so David really thinks that he is, he's not only sticking up for God, like he's like, who is this Philistine that's yeah. talking about our God? But he also feels like he's doing what is the right thing for the Israelites, for the Jewish people. And you're right in the fact that uh, Saul hears the people rejoicing over David. And in uh, ver- in chapter 18, verse 6, it says, And it happened as they were coming when David returned from killing the Philistine, Goliath, that the women came out of all the cities of Israel, singing and dancing to meet King Saul, King Saul, not David, with tambourines, with joy, and with musical instruments. And the women sang as they played and said, Saul has slain his thousands, but David his ten thousands. Then Saul became very angry, for the saying displeased him, and he said, They have ascribed to David ten thousands, but to me they have ascribed a thousand. And so that began the process of jealousy. I'm going to get rid of David. Really and truly, what's happened is that David really wanted to serve Saul. And he, you know, he had a great relationship with Saul's son, Jonathan. He wanted to do what was the right thing. And as you said, Kara, he wasn't trying to take over the kingship. He was just knew that in time, whenever it was ready, it was going to, you know, he would become king. Saul becomes so angry and so jealous and begins to compare himself because he hears the words of these women saying, oh, I've got this great king. Look at David. David's king. You know, killed ten thousand. So it's hearing the praises of other people that just began to cause Saul to be outraged. And I, I just want to turn this around a little bit. Is that we might look on social media and everybody's applauding about something that look what they're doing. I mean, even in my world, I'll I'll look on social media and I'll see people that I love and I would follow and you know really respect their ministry and I see all this stuff that God's doing. In and through them, and you know, there would be something that'll, you know, rise up in me a little bit, like, wow, the, you know, look how, what all God's doing in their lives, and how He's giving them such a, 
you know, big platform or whatever. And if I'm mm-hmm. not careful, that seed of just comparison, that seed of looking at what God's doing in everybody else's life, and we start comparing, well, what's God doing in our lives? We've forgotten that the cross is enough mm-hmm. and God doesn't have to use us even well, to one person. Ultimately, I mean, it's pride. Yeah, absolutely. The whole thing's yeah. pride. Yes. Yeah, that in the you know antithesis of pride is humility, and that's what we see mm-hmm. between Saul and David. David had a humility about him. Like yes. he wanted to serve Saul. He wanted to acknowledge him as king. Mm-hmm. You know, he had no problem saying, yes, no. no, you are king, Saul. You know, Kara, a lot of times David could have killed Saul. Right. Didn't. He said, who am I to, you know, put my hand against the anointing? So, and mm-hmm. even when Saul did die, he wept over that and mourned. So David was never trying to become king before his time. Mm-hmm. Which I think is a huge principle in and of itself is yeah. how he did not try to rush God's process. He didn't try mm-hmm. to figure out God's process. He or didn't God's try to, promises. Yeah, like he didn't try to mm-hmm. figure out like, okay, how is God gonna? How is this gonna go about with me becoming king? Because you know Saul's mm-hmm. king and how you know and God's Jonathan, promise made the kingship. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because and then there's Jonathan because typically the son you know is the heir and mm-hmm. you know all that. He didn't try to figure it out. Yeah, he just rested. And obviously we see you know David does do some you know he runs when he shouldn't have run because he you know he was not perfect. But at the end of the yeah. day, which I think is another principle, it's like we don't have to be perfect. But at the end of the day, David's heart was toward the Lord mm-hmm. and trusted Him and was humble before Him. And we constantly see Saul's heart with pride. And I think that there are, you know these moments with Saul that we see between him and Samuel. You know, like Saul never. Even when Samuel would point out things in Saul's heart or, you know, what he's doing and Saul never, you know, took a step back and reevaluated where his heart was at. Whereas David did do that, you know, and even we Mm -hmm. see like way, way, way later on in David's life with Bathsheba, you know, like whenever Mm -hmm. he has these moments where he messes up. He always repented. He Mm -hmm. always repents and, and turns back to the Lord, which we never, and I think that's like the progression we see with Saul Whereas he doesn't do that. He doesn't repent. No, he doesn't. It's not be it's not to be perfect. It's just he doesn't repent and turn back to God. And then that's and where you just people. see it. You know, here's the thing with Samuel, like in first um, Samuel thirteen, if you want to read it, Saul is waiting on Samuel to come and he gets, you know, impatient. And so, you know, Samuel is, you know, was the priest at the time, and Saul gets so impatient waiting on Samuel because Samuel has to come that Saul now acts and assumes the priestly uh, position, and this is when God is so mad and takes the you know takes the kingdom from him. And when Samuel comes and and confronts Saul about what he's done, in, in uh, verse eleven it says, "But Samuel said, What have you done?'" And Saul said, "Because I saw the people were scattering from me." Word again, once again, of losing the applause of people, losing mm-hmm. his position. And that you did not come within the appointed days. So basically, Saul's saying he's accusing. Yeah, you know, really, yeah. Samuel, this is your problem. This is your fault. <laughs> this is yeah. your fault. And that's where I think what you're saying is with David, whatever David did, and all through the Psalms and through a lot of things that we, because he wasn't perfect. And I think you know that's a key. It's a really a good principle. It's not that God wants you to be perfect, but because He knows you're not. But he wants us to acknowledge and realize when we've done something wrong, and that's repent. And that process, when you start with First Samuel and you go and you see the 
how Saul continues to grab hold and get prideful in a position that he did not gain for himself. This was an appointed by God. Mm-hmm. And now here is uh, Saul, who's now thinking, now he's really got it in his head, I'm king, the power, the control. I mean, it's just so many things that we have to be very careful about. And I think it was a hard issue, Kara. I think there was this anger and jealousy and the comparison. So when you speed up what we talked about just a few minutes ago about how Saul hears the women praising David, mm-hmm. that anger. Now that, the listening to those words what happened was it highlighted what was in Saul's heart. Right. And that's what we have to realize that sometimes when we begin to get angry and jealous and start comparing ourselves with other people or feeling like God is God is favorites and God's, you know, giving mm-hmm. all these people these things, but he's not giving me these things. Those are opportunities. It is as if God is putting a floodlight onto mm-hmm. your heart and say, Let's see. Why are you so angry? Why are you so yeah. you know, upset? Yeah, it's all. I think it's just taking every moment that we react and mm-hmm. analyzing why. Like, mm-hmm. what? What am I really mad about? Or what am I? Even if we find why ourselves, why did that make like, me so mad? Yeah, even if we find ourselves, or why are we so jealous? Or why are we feeling so mm-hmm. insecure? Or you know, whatever. And I think, yeah, just taking those moments of really looking at why am I doing that? You know, mm-hmm. why am I reacting? Why am I? you know, feeling a jealousy or insecurity or I don't know, you know, whatever the emotion is and taking that to the Lord. Cause sometimes we may not know, mm-hmm. God knows. And, you know, praying and asking him to show what's really in our heart. Cause that, yeah, that's something that, and I love the Psalms in that regard. You know, mm-hmm. he, there's not only lament, but there's praise, there's repentance. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's repentance. There's, there's turning you know, turning to the Lord, taking those emotions mm. and... And being real before God. And yeah. I think that was one of the things that, you know, Saul blamed David all this time for his problem. And it was his heart that was probably Right, because his problem, like you're saying, this problem was there before David came on the scene. That's right. And and it grew because, da- because Saul never did anything about it. Mm-hmm. It grew because sin never sits still. It, the anger and the jealousy got so... Um, so consumed him immense. It consumed him. He went crazy, literally, emotionally. Yeah, we see. Like, not only did he lose his kingship, he lost his mind. He did. And you know what else? I was, I was thinking about this. Is that his jealousy and his anger and everything, and his disobedience led to that. Saul's disobedience led to his anger, his jealousy, and his comparison. And I think that because of that, not dealing with the anger and the jealousy. And finding reasons to excuse and blame other people for his anger and jealousy, that he lost um, the kingship, but he did lose his mind. But he lost the relationship with David. He had a sweet relationship with David. He lost mm-hmm. a relationship with his son Jonathan. Mm-hmm. Um, he lost the kingship and with Samuel. Yeah. Yes. And 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 he eventually lost his life. And I think today, one of the things that was really on my heart was thinking about how often we excuse our behavior because we're mad because some we're reacting by somebody's actions, our reaction to someone's action, and we want to blame them. And I think we all do that. I do that. And I, and I, maybe I'm preaching to the choir here, but you know, just being very careful of making sure that I'm not jealous and I'm not comparing myself. Just be who you are and 
God uses you where you are. And if God uses you, that was a gift. You, there's nothing I've done that God would put me in any position to be used mm-hmm. by Him. And matter of fact, I've done enough for Him not to do that. <laughs> but I, I feel like for us today, as we're just talking and just as we're going about our day, to you know, and our weeks ahead, is that we just be, pay attention to our heart. I think that's what you're saying is paying attention. Like, why why did I respond like that? Why did I react like that? Mm-hmm. You do want to pay attention to the tension, but you don't want to be self-consumed uh, either. Right. But, you know, there's, so there's a balance in that. And I think that, you know, for me, a lot of, uh, of what's kind of I'm seeing today and dealing with a lot of believers that do love Jesus and they're strong believers, but they're just blaming everybody else for their anger and for their... Well, I think, too, is like, don't get, you know, don't get you wrong. Sometimes people make us angry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. like they're like, sometimes people do things that, you know, do upset us and make us like genuinely because we hurt us and all of that. But yeah, I think, I don't know. I, I think, you know, you know, those moments, you know, you know, when you're like, okay, I'm reacting versus like, uh-huh. okay, hey, that, you know, what that person did. And I think that those are the mo- moments that we're talking about is when we are reacting out of something versus, you know, someone's actions who mm-hmm. genuinely have hurt us. Well, when we talk about anger and we talk about such jealousy and such extreme comparison, it's hard not to compare ourselves. It's hard not to sometimes feel like, ah, she's so cute, you know, or he, she's so good at that. Oh, I wish I could do that. Or I wish I could be like that. Or, you know, I mean, we've said it a thousand times as women. Yeah. Um, and I think, it's easy to kind of get that, but if we don't stop it from that, if like say somebody's hurt my feelings, I get upset. But if I don't deal with it, then anger is is a lot of steps of emotions. If you do immediately get anger, you need to look back and think, why did that make me so angry? I think anger shows our passion. I mean, I mm-hmm. I, I probably referenced this book many times, but Chip Dodd has a book called The Voice of the Heart. He talks about the emotions and anger is not a bad emotion. I mean, Jesus sees the emotion, but I think there can be, yeah, I think it's it's more of the rage. It's more of a this like, I you owe me something or you, you know, like there's, there's an unhealthiness well, in it. Let me just say this. Jesus was angry because of what religiously they were righteous anger because he was angry for the disobedience. He was angry for sin. I don't think we're so angry about sin. I think we're more angry about what we feel like someone has done to us. But I want to say this about anger. I want to, if when we are controlled or we are angry people, which is not what we need to be, God says not to be controlled by our anger, that is sin. And I know that that's human. But I want to say this, that that is being controlled by your emotions and not the Holy Spirit. Right. You can feel the emotion, but not being controlled by it. Very different. Yes. And that's what I want to say. I want to say yeah. that we want to make sure that all of these emotions, a jealousy and, and anger, all of these in the comparison, all of these produces some type of emotion in us. And we are human. We're not a computer. We're not a robot. We are human. But when we begin to feel that disappointment, when we be begin to feel sad or disappointed, then we need to deal with it before it becomes an anger issue. And I think when a person that is angry and deals with anger, 
they're controlled by the anger and they're enslaved by their emotions. Well, and enslaved and controlled by the Holy Spirit. It's so funny that we do this as humans, especially women. If someone else is something that doesn't have any, that doesn't mean that you're not, you know, like if someone else is, you know, a great mom, that doesn't mean that you're not a great mom, you know, or if mm-hmm. someone else is a, I don't know, stylish, cute dressers, super thin, whatever, that doesn't mean that you're not, you know what I mean? Like we take this and I think that's that pride and well, selfishness. it doesn't mean that's what's valuable. Yeah, but that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying we have these moments where it's like, oh, that person is, you know, the jealousy, you know, that person is, you know, really close with that friend of mine. That doesn't mean that you're not close with that friend. You know what I mean? Like, like with Saul, you know, he was looking at David and that's where that pride and selfishness and insecurity is coming in and this anger because he's looking at David and be like, oh, wow, David's this great warrior. Well, yeah, he was a great warrior and he did kill all those people, but that didn't mean that Saul is not a great warrior. That's right. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's mm-hmm. like, it's like, why? I don't know why, we, you know, we all, I do this. We all do this, I think, to some degree. And it's like, log, you know, if you look at it logically, it's like, well, okay, even though like she is a great mom and she does have great kids, that doesn't mean that you don't, you know, but yeah. the enemy uses those things to, so we don't celebrate and we don't have this humility and we don't have, you know, we don't reach out to people or, or lean into people. You know, mm-hmm. we lose relationships because we, Anyway, I just think it's like... You know what I think the problem is? I think we're self-centered. I think we're so much consumed with ourselves. Like we can say, well, she's a great mom. Instead of celebrating that she's a great mom, then like you said, you're like, well, but then I'm not that kind of mom or I, you know, I don't keep the house that clean or I don't, you know, so I'm a terrible mom. I I think we have have compared ourselves to the point that we have become to worship ourselves. I think we've become uh, to so consumed with ourselves and so that's where the comparison is the comparison isn't about we never compare ourselves and celebrate what uh, the other person has you know excelled in we compare ourselves and beat ourselves down because we don't feel like we're enough so what we're saying is that person or that situation determines my self-worth basically is what we're saying we're saying that's who brings us value. Like if I'm not them or if I'm not like that, then I must not have any value. Right. Well, and even I think it's just the importance of celebrating others and not Mm -hmm. putting on a pedestal. That's what I'm saying. But I remember, you know, being in my early 20s, really seeing women who were older than me at the time who weren't married and seeing their bitterness, like they couldn't celebrate other people getting married or having kids. Mm -hmm. And I just remember thinking like, I don't want, and I wasn't against, I wasn't saying this in a, they're against them. I just was seeing it. Yeah. I was just seeing it. If I never want that to be my heart. And Mm -hmm. I don't know how the Lord did it, but ever since, you know, all throughout my twenties and thirties, seeing countless people get married and having kids over and over again, I mean, yeah, there's a grief that I deal with at times, but I don't look at that and say like, oh, they're getting married. That means I'm never going to get married. I'm not saying Mm -hmm. I don't ever deal or have that lie creep in my head, but I don't sit in it. And it has, that has helped me, you know, to celebrate over the years over Mm -hmm. and over again. And, and being just having this, like, just because that is happening for them doesn't mean that that's mm-hmm. not going to happen for me. So I think it it plays in with whether you look at someone's life or looking at someone else's season and being like, oh, wow, they have, they're in such a great season. And that doesn't mean that you can't be sad about something mm-hmm. or grieve or mourn or whatever. I'm just saying 
and I think there are times, you know, I haven't gone to every baby shower, every, you know, I have to be, you know, you have to protect I, have to, heart I have to protect my heart. Yeah. But at the same time, that doesn't mean I don't celebrate or happy for them or mm-hmm. because I, because God put in my heart many, many, many years ago, just that principle of just because that is happening for them doesn't mean and I that that's not going to happen for me. And that has helped me to celebrate and to see what God has, has done in their life. Mm-hmm. Andy Stanley wrote a book years ago, The Enemies of the Heart. But they renamed it. I think it's something else. But it's but it, at the time, it's called Enemies of the Heart. He was saying that if you deal with jealousy and if you deal with anger or whatever, like go the other way, like celebrate and say, I want to celebrate what they're doing. Even though sometimes uh, we have a joke, you know, around the house, fake it till you make it. Uh, you know, uh, even if right now you say those words, but right now you're not feeling it, like, you know, God, I just want to celebrate. And, you know, I am happy that they're getting married, or I am, because I do love them, yeah. or I am well, happy yeah, and it's like having I, a baby. I do love them. Right. It's like seeing what God has done in their lives. Yeah. Because that's ultimately what it is. That's what yeah. we're celebrating. It's like, wow, God has done this work. Or and God it doesn't mean that God's not doing it in your heart. That's what you're saying. And I think that that's the key. And I think that when you look at Saul and see the progression, if you just go, um, you who are listening to us and entered into our conversation, if you just go and read like First Samuel and Second Samuel and Kings, just look at the progression of how Saul goes down and he gets more angry, and it ends up just ruining his entire life. And I think it's because he didn't deal with it at the very beginning. We can't help sometimes what comes in our mind. We can't help sometimes when we start to struggle with worldly things. And we can't help it sometimes when we start to feel uh, like God is got his favorites and what God's done in someone else's life he's not going to do in mine. Or like, Kara, are you saying like, She's getting married. I'm not. She's having a baby. I'm not. She's got the job. I don't. She's, you know, she's got the platform. I don't. You know, those kind of things, which, again, we have to deal with our selfishness. I is really in the middle of that circle. But we have to deal with it at the very beginning, because if we don't, it is like a cancer within. And I think that we have to be very, very careful to say, God, this is wrong. This is sin. And I want to applaud them. I want to celebrate with them. And I think it is a way, a human way, of that we can do to begin to combat the enemies of the heart, as Andy would say. And I think that is the enemy of heart. And ironically, that's why God appointed David, because it wasn't that David was a perfect man, but he was a man after God's own heart. And I think that's the key. Thanks for listening. I'm so glad that you could be a part of our conversation. To continue the conversation, you can find Dot on social media at Dot Bowen or visit her website, dotbowen.com. Subscribe, like, and share with your friends, and we will see you next week on Write This Down with Dot Bowen.